Blog Talk Radio. And I and the Griffin Foundation. Today, I am your host, Katrina Hamill, and our guest is Dr. Bonnie Hennig-Tresman, also known in the community as Dr. Bonnie, licensed clinical social worker, doctorate of social work. Dr. Bonnie currently has a private teletherapy practice and serves on the board of directors for the Huntington's Disease Youth Organization, HGO. Dr. Bonnie has over 30 years of experience providing clinical service and supervision with patients and family members suffering from neurodegenerative physical and psychiatric illnesses. Her book, Talking to Kids About HD, a book for people who know children with HD in their family, has been translated into five languages. <clears throat> she has provided educational lectures on talking to kids about HD as well as various HD-related topics to national and international audiences. Dr. Bonnie has been involved in HD research, conducting observational and clinical trials. She is a member of the Huntington's Disease, or sorry, Huntington Study Group, HSG, the European HD Network, EHDN, and Huntington's Disease Youth Organization, HDO. Thank you for joining me on the show today, Dr. Bonnie. Thank you so much for having um, me, Katrina. Yes, yeah, we're always happy to have you on the show. And everyone, excuse me, I have a bit of a dry throat, but we are going to get through this all together. Um, so let's just jump right in. Can you, Dr. Bonnie, tell us how you became involved with HD? Yeah, I, I do get this a lot because I, I'm, I'm not from an HD family. I like to tell people that up front. Uh, about 20 years ago, I applied for a position as a social worker in an HD program in Connecticut. And to tell you the truth, I didn't really know anything about HD. And when I first did research about HD, I was taken back. I was really intimidated by the disease, and I wasn't sure I would really be able to help people with HD and their families. But I knew the type of clinical care I was providing to people who had cancer in their families at the time, so I decided to move forward. There were about eight or nine other applicants, but as I say to people, the planets lined up and I was offered the position. When I started the position, I researched everything I could get my hands onto related to HD. I was like a sponge, and I knew that there were needs out there. So I began a caregiver support group. I began to talk to families about telling their children about HD, and I started to get involved in conducting research. Then about 18 years ago or so, I began to teach and lecture on topics related to HD. And in 2003, um, in 2003, I wrote my book, Talking to Kids About HD. 
I uh, eventually worked my way up uh, from that social work position to become director of a program, and I stayed there until I moved from the area in July 2017. And in 2013, I was uh, contacted by BJ View from Huntington's Disease Youth Organization, or HDO, as you said. And since that time, I've dedicated myself to doing whatever I could to support the mission of HDO. One of the things I do, uh, along with my husband, Dr. Robert Tressman, is that we volunteer each year as staff at the HDO North America camps. And for the last, uh, for the last couple of years, as you mentioned, I've been on the board of directors at HDO. And I'm still also very uh, involved, as you mentioned, with HSG and EHDN. Now, however, I relocated to Virginia, and I have my own company called HDA, HTA Consulting, which is a PLLC, where I provide clinical online teletherapy, I conduct clinical research, and I present talks on HD-related um, topics to national and international audiences. Amazing. That's very impressive, and I'm just very thankful that you are so transparent about um, not being from an HD family, but that you're just you've dove in, you know, over the last two decades yeah. of just really being in everyone's <clears throat> family circle, even though you're not technically family, you've been extremely helpful to a lot of families. And um, I, I just think that's, that's very good of you to be so transparent, but also so involved. So thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you. So, yeah. During the holidays, um, people often see extended family and friends that may not have seen their loved ones with HD in some time, uh, possibly even since the last holiday season. Uh, this, this happens a lot in our family as well. Um, how do you talk to them about HD and the progression in your loved one from the last time the family saw them? How, how does that become and, uh, a conversation? Yeah, I'm so glad Help for HD called me back again for this because this is a perfect time of year to discuss all this. And we did talk about this last year, and the two themes that I brought up then are really the topics for this, this conversation as well. And that, again, is preparation and communication. And first, it's really important that people provide family and friends with information about HD overall, as well as specific information about their loved one with HD. So in, in terms of this, I don't mean in a way that sounds like gossip, but really concrete data that's about what's happening with their loved one who has HD. That way you can educate people and let them know what to expect. And remember, there's some family and friends who aren't going to notice anything different in a person with HD. And on the other hand, some family and friends will see a big difference and see many changes in the person with HD, and both are fine. The goal isn't to make someone see symptoms or to minimize the changes. The goal is to inform right. family and friends about how the person with HD is doing right now. So that should include some tips as to what makes a person with HD feel comfortable as well as things to avoid which might make a person with HD less comfortable. And this really should be done well in advance of any kind of get-together. So if you have a lot of people that you plan to see, then it might be helpful to, like, send out a letter via email to everyone. That way you'll get all the information, the same information, to everybody, and you don't need to keep repeating yourself. And finally, it's a really a good idea to tell the person with HD that you plan to do this so that everyone will get the information and that this will actually help the person with HD so that they don't need to keep repeating themselves either. Sometimes with the, the uh, person with HD can even help with the letter by coming up with ways to let the people know how to interact with them. So it might be that mm -hmm. they don't want a lot of people to crowd them or that there might be a lot of people talking at one time. They might need to walk away for a bit because that can be overwhelming. 
Then if this happens, everyone knows to expect, and it becomes normal. And this normalizes the conversation and puts a positive spin on it. And by giving everyone this information, you create the new normal. So you won't feel like you have to be forced into all those traditional customs if that no longer fits your needs. So, for example, you said, you know, people seeing each other, there are sometimes a lot of people gather in very large groups. And as I mentioned, this can be really overwhelming for a person with HD. So it's fine to let people know in advance that you like get-togethers to be in smaller groups without too much stimulation. And remember, there are no set rules on how to do this. But if you give everyone information beforehand, it can take the stress off the situation and you can make plans which will include the person with HD on their own terms. I'm, it's funny that that you know I've I've gone through a lot with my own family and and Huntington's and everything and as you're saying this all I can think of is our Thanksgiving and like I didn't do any preparation and didn't really think ahead because last year was so different for my brother it was so much easier quote unquote and this year it's like yeah. I didn't think about it and then last minute I canceled everything and did Thanksgiving at home with him just by ourselves because I realized how overwhelming yep. it would have been and I didn't do any preparation. So I said, okay, we're right. just going to hang at home, you know, and definitely I'm glad that, that I'm, I'm hearing this right now because it's, um, it's really extremely important um, to yeah. do your preparation and get ready for the holidays. So how do you, and this includes, how do you recommend? This includes, talk, yeah. Go ahead. Say that again. It includes this, this in terms of preparation. Sometimes people think preparation as physical, like, oh, I've got to get all this stuff and I've got to get the house ready. This is part of preparation, like you said, which is really important. Right. Um, how do you suggest talking to um, family and friends um, about, excuse me, <laughs> about changes you're going through to accommodate for your loved one? For instance, not attending all parties limiting the amount of time spent at parties, et cetera. And what about communi- communicating and accommodation, accommodating family members could take the ease off the holiday? So we kind of went over some of this. Um, but, yeah. like, as an example, um, our HD loved one may not be able to tolerate a large family gathering of 40 at someone else's house, right. but maybe be able to tolerate the smaller. So you kind of went over this. Um, you know, That's okay. I'll, I'll add a little bit. I'll add a little bit more. Yeah. So I'll give some more examples that could be helpful. And, again, this is where Perfect. preparation is so important. It needs to be done beforehand because, it, like you said, there is so much happening during a gathering or celebration. So that's not the time to discuss this with everyone. It needs to be done before any of those groups gather. And it might seem right. like a lot of work to do up front, but in the long run it's going to pay off by taking a lot off your plate during a high-stress time. So, again, for instance, you can send an email, as I mentioned, and then maybe add a link to HD advocacy groups such as Help for HD, your HDO, HDSA, so people can look into reliable sources to learn about HD. But it's important to let people know that each person with HD can have different symptoms. Some people might look fine but can have trouble concentrating or organizing their thoughts. Some people can, with HD can get overwhelmed. Some people, remember, mm-hmm. might be impulsive and say something offensive. Usually a family knows how the person with HD behaves, so this letter is a good time to describe what the family might notice so that they're not surprised. And for other people, the physical symptoms might be more noticeable. So the person with HD might look like they've been drinking or they might have trouble Mm -hmm. eating. So the more people are aware of what to expect, the better it's going to be. And like you said, for big family gatherings, you need to educate everyone, but I really strongly suggest having a plan B and a plan C. 
So, for example, if you're at that big gathering that you mentioned and the person with HD becomes overwhelmed, you might need to leave right away. And then other family members Mm -hmm. or especially young children might get upset at the thought of leaving a celebration so soon. And that could turn into even a bigger fiasco than just the person with HD becoming overwhelmed. But if you plan ahead of time, you can be ready. So, for example, you might say, let's bring two cars or have additional family be on the ready and step in and take the person with HD home early. Um, You might already in advance speak to the host family, whoever you're going to see, and see if children can stay over when you take the person with HD back home. Um, If you plan on this, though, you know, you can already have an overnight backpack. It's kind of like those those plans B and C. But make sure that everyone is on board with this backup plan in case it comes to fruition because you just don't want any surprises. But, you know, it's important to remember um, to know that even even there can be overwhelming feelings, even if the person with HD is looking forward to the celebration and wants to go, you know, they can change their mind at last minute. That That's happened. Right. Or once they get to the party and they're really excited about it, after two minutes, be like, that's it, I've had enough. So if you have an emergency backup plan and if you need to use it, the better it will be for everyone involved. So even if the family has accommodated all your requests, you know, you sent out a letter and they, they've said, okay, we're going to do this, they need to know that the person with HD still might feel overwhelmed, but it's okay because you have this backup plan. And the same holds true, I tell people, for people in facilities. You can contact a facility to bring small groups of people in to see a loved one who's in a long-term care facility. Sometimes you know that there's that one or two staff who get to really know your loved one. And they might be able to help out by letting you know what time of day is best for your loved one to receive guests. It might be in the morning after breakfast or right after lunch. And if the person with HD has multiple short visits with a group of family or friends, that actually might work out really well. Plus, you can piggyback off of the visits and talk about who already stopped by and perhaps show photos from the prior visits. There's lots of ways to be creative and still include the person with HD in on the celebration. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I think the whole backup plan is really key. I think that's something that we all have to kind of keep our minds open to, that it doesn't have to be perfect, and it likely won't be. (laughs) I mean, you know, and and that's not just – even with eliminating HD, it's still not going to be a perfect perfect gathering. But to incorporate someone with Huntington's, it's really important to have a backup plan and to accept it and be okay with it. So that's great. Um, So as we all know, holidays can be stressful for all of us. And even with careful, thoughtful planning by the caregiver, our loved one with HD can still become stressed. What are some tips to help keep our loved one calm throughout the holiday season? Yeah, good question. And a good place to start is also to prepare your loved one who has HD So remind them that there's a plan in place if they feel too overwhelmed. The most important part of this, however, is that you need to stick to this plan. So don't try to talk a person with HD into doing something different. If you told them that you have a backup plan, you really need to build and maintain trust. And this might mean you need to bring them home or drop them off early at a hotel that you're staying at. It could also be that you just need to drive them around the block for a while or go out for a quiet cup of coffee with one or two people. They just might need to get away so they don't feel so overstimulated. It's also good to know and for people to remember that a person with HD might actually feel most comfortable in their own environment. Either way, you need to think about what might possibly go wrong. And you need need to think about what can I prepare for in advance? 
It might be something really concrete, such as bringing an extra pair of clothes to the person with HD in case of spills or accidents. That might make them feel more comfortable. But the bottom line is that this is not the time to go with the flow. You need to prepare. Yes. Yeah. And, and preparation often decreases stress in, in most situations. So that's right. something very important in our, our community for sure. So we know that HD brings financial devastation. And typically the person living with HD, as well as the caregiver, can't work. How do you prepare deal with the financial stresses of the holiday season and how do you make yourself as well as your loved one not feel bad or inadequate about having to, I mean, you really have to think about the financial situations of the caregiver who can't necessarily work full time because they're taking care of the person with Huntington's and the person with Huntington's also um, may or may not be able to work. And then, there's the issue of kind of overspending and things like that. So what are some tips that you have um, for our community? Yeah, it's unfortunate that this can really become a commercialized time of year. It really shouldn't be, but we know, you know, that that happens again, that this is the, that the idea is to prepare. So right now we're already into December. So it might feel like everything needs to happen right away. Um, in order to make this preparation, which can be difficult. It's not impossible, it's just a little bit more difficult. But I'm going to take one step back and, and describe the best scenario. And that is that once there are financial changes in a household, that is the time to discuss spending and budgets and making changes. And that's especially true if the person with HD is impulsive, if they start to hoard or spend a lot of money. So many times I hear caregivers say that they don't want conflict and they don't want to pull in the purse strings on their loved one with HD. They don't want to take away the pleasure the person has uh, with HD to go shopping or to go buy things online. But my question to that family is, if not then, meaning at the time that there are changes in the finances, then when? I I know of families that they have gone bankrupt because of this. They they just didn't want any kind of conflict. So coming back to the holidays, you know, around the holidays is definitely a time you need to sit down and look at your holiday budget and start to plan. And the the key to this is that you need to do this as a caregiver alone first. Then you'll know what you can offer to the person with HD. It might be a debit card with a set amount on it. It might be a prepaid credit card. Then you can sit down with your loved one and offer them a choice, which will make them feel like they have more control. So, for example, you can say, this is the amount of money you can spend. I can give you cash. I can give you a credit card with this amount on it. I can give you a debit card. Which would you like? You can also sit with them and make a list together of people that they want to purchase gifts for so that they can plan out how much to spend. But, again, here's the key. Remember, there, there is a limit, and you need to hold true to this amount. So do make sure that you mm-hmm. tell the person over and over that they aren't getting more money. The moment you cave in, then you have taught that person with HD that you can be broken. And I know how difficult this is, but the more you hold to your ground, the better it is. And this can be the difference for people, you know, between giving in and and letting a person continue to spend and putting food on a table for a family. Now, I do know that for some people with HD, it's very hard to hear the word no. So, again, this is about preparation. So once you discuss a budget with your loved one, let them know if they start to argue or become irritable, you, as a caregiver, will need to contact the healthcare team. And, again, this is going to be hard to hear for people around the holidays, but, you know, this is something just to take in. 
If the person does become out of control or even threatening, you might need to call 911. We need safety first. And again, this is the last thing you want to do around the holidays, but you need to keep yourself safe. And by giving into demands is not going to help the situation in the long run. So if this does happen, you need to keep your end of the agreement and contact the healthcare team or 911 if needed. But as you know, I'm thinking about this, there are also ways that you can be creative in terms of, of spending. So another idea that I talked about last year is homemade gifts. You know, you can, I, I love homemade gifts. You can purchase all the items you need to create a gift and begin to have some of the other family members help. And the person with HD might decide to join in once the activity starts. So again, you don't want to overwhelm them but there might be part of the gift, gift, gift making that they can do. It might be wrapping and label, labeling. I, like I said, I personally feel homemade gifts are the best. In fact, I have some homemade gifts given to me by HD families from years ago, which I still treasure. The other suggestion I've been giving to people, which is doesn't cost anything, is if the person with HD is still able to verbalize, is to make a recording of a favorite song or book. I've suggested this to non-HD families as well. This is, you know, as people are getting older and generations are getting older, it's something that doesn't cost anything. It can be put into a cloud and passed on for generations to come. But, you know, even in my own family, we have favorite books. So these are things that we thought about. Let's record our voices so that we have these all the time. And I think that that could be really great. Finally, that there are organizations, such as your own Help for HD with food and gift programs, which can help families around the holidays. And I know you'll probably talk a little bit about that. So it might be for other reasons, you know, it might be a little bit later in the season, but I do know that there's social service agencies, nonprofit agencies, private agencies that many times do offer help around the holidays. So for some people, it can be difficult to ask for help, but it's helpful to contact your local senior service departments and find out what might be available. And, and for people who feel bad accepting help, just know that we've all had a diff difficult times, and there might be a time later on that you yourself can give back. So if you need to help, if you need help, you know, it's okay to ask for it. It can be helpful to think that your goal is to create a positive memory for you and your family. So you're doing this for them, which can sometimes make it easier to ask for help. Very true, very true. <clears throat> um, you know, the holidays, can also be joyous time for many families, and this is often portrayed through TV shows, movies, and uh, in the media. Socially, yeah. it is a time for families and friends um, and to celebrate health, prosperity, the past, and looking into the future. How does a family that has endured so much suffering prepare themselves yeah. so that they can enjoy the holidays with their loved one and not fall into a depression? Such a good question. You know, and on TV and on social media, we see what I call the Hallmark card holiday, and that's just not reality. Uh, the holidays are unfortunately a time where a lot of people, those impacted by HD as well as others, definitely feel a higher rate of depression. There's so much expectation that we put on ourselves and also that others put on us. And this feeling, it can be overwhelming. And it's just like you may, people may feel that everything needs to be just a certain way, like you said, just perfect. So going into a season knowing this isn't reality is a good first step. And the next step, as we talked a little bit about, is finding that new normal. And remember that normal can change over the years, just like you said with your Thanksgiving. It can change over the years, even for the same family. So just because something felt right and good one year doesn't mean it will be right for us this time around. So right before the holidays, that means just about now, this is the time for us to prepare our support systems. 
It's a time that we need to say to other people, listen, the holidays are really tough for me. Can we set up a time now to get together during the holidays just to talk or for a hug? And it's a lot easier to set that up beforehand since it's really difficult to reach out when you feel that depression that you were mentioning. So now is the time to get those meetups on your calendar. And you can even tell family and friends, if I say no when that date comes up or if I say I'm busy or that I want to cancel, you remind me that I said this was a commitment because it can really be hard to motivate yourself. You need to prepare in advance and call the troops in to say, please, have, please somebody, you know, reach out to me and check in with me because I don't have the energy to reach out to you then. So now's the time to get a list of people together, have someone check in at least once a week to see how you're doing. And know, knowing just that you're not alone can really make a difference for people and get them through the holidays. Also, I really encourage people to talk to their healthcare providers about extra help during the holidays. And this goes for the person with HD as well as the caregivers. See if you can get in for that counseling session, or maybe the answer will be some extra medication for like anxiety or depression. But there's a caveat with that. Remember that many medications can take up to six weeks to reach the point of becoming effective. So that's just something to keep in mind. But so many times I hear people say, oh, now is such a busy time of the year. I don't want to go in for counseling or go to my support group. The bottom line is that now is the time to do that so that you don't feel alone. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> I agree. I agree completely. Um, there are so many in our complete uh, in our community that have lost loved ones to HD and GHD, which can be unbearable at times, but especially during the holidays. Um, how can members of our community whom have lost lost their loved ones cope through the holiday season? That's a whole different ball game. At least in our family, with my um, with my children missing their grandma, you know how different of a, a holiday that would be. But um, what yeah. do you suggest for coping through the holiday season with this? Yeah, absolutely. First, remember that when you lose a loved one, there is no set time for grief. Nobody should put parameters around that. And, and just to, again, jump back, that grief can mean different things to different people. There's also grief before a loved one with JHD or HD dies. There's a grief knowing that our loved ones aren't the same people we once knew or that they won't become mm -hmm. someone we hope that they would be. Or we can grieve the fact that they won't be there in the future. And just, again, know that this is expected and it's all okay to feel this way. So, again, first, for those of you who have a loved one who's still here, there are things you can do now. So, as I mentioned, you can record them. You can take videos. I know a family that made a plaster cast of the loved one's hands, and they basically made a mold. So, whenever the mother felt, you know, kind of alone, she put her hand into this mold, even when, when her daughter wasn't there. And this way, you, you as a caregiver can look back and listen or touch those things that you made together. But as you said, if the person has already died, then maybe the holidays are the time to honor that person. Maybe, for example, that person was a good cook or a baker, and you can pull out those recipes and make that dish for the family or friends. I've also made a suggestion that you can bake a favorite meal or cookies and donate it to a local shelter in memory of your loved one. Maybe there was a certain song or type of music they like to listen to. Can you bring yourself to listen to that? And it might bring on some emotion, but that's okay. It's a way to hold that person with you during the holidays. So I tell people, don't be afraid of strong emotions. I know that there are some people who avoid anything that reminds them of their loved one, but in the long run, this is not always the best way to cope. There's going to be pain. We can count on that. And we can't bring the person back, but we can honor them. And sometimes we need to hurt. 
And then a lot of times there's a calm that follows after that. And this helps us to move through grief. And this doesn't mean that grief is linear. It's not one stage after the next. And it's not a question of leaving a prior stage behind. It can and will be a roller coaster with ups and downs. But we need those ups and downs in order to cope. Very true. Um, I really appreciate your perspective and your your input, your insight to um, just different ways of coping and kind of understanding the emotions that come along with coping and, and all of that you've shared with us um, as far as the holiday season and, and just trying to bring in new ideas and bring in new normals. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, for myself and for for everyone listening, I think it's it's all really good, um, fresh ideas. So um, thank you for that. Um, any last thoughts that you'd like to share with us today, Dr. Bunny? I, I would. I think first it's really important to remember that it can take a while for the person with HD to settle back into the routine. So many times I hear family members say that they plan to take the person with HD on a trip or to a big event or home for a few days from the facility for the holidays. And a lot of times this desire comes from the the family member's own guilt or trying to cram in a few more memories together. And on the surface, it's a very sweet and lovely idea. I just want people to be aware that even when the person with HD is looking forward to this and wants to go, it can take up to two weeks for them to settle back into their routines. So there might be a bit of acting out for a while until they settle back down. And please, by no means am I saying to people, don't, don't do this. Don't go on your trips or don't take them out. Just know what to expect so you can prepare for it. Second is really the caregivers. It is so, so important to take care of yourself during this time and not to beat yourself up if everything isn't perfect. It can be fine with that new normal in place, even if it doesn't seem perfect. So no one should judge you, not even yourself. And there are also times caregivers feel really guilty about going out and leaving the person with HD at home. So no one can really tell a person or shouldn't tell a person, you shouldn't feel guilty because that's the way you feel. But you can decide how you want to respond to that situation, right? So you can, for example, reframe that. You can say, I wish this was different, but now I need to make room for HD. I'm going to go out with my friends by myself and have a good time. That way when you return – you will have recharged your battery and you might not feel resentful that you couldn't possibly go out. And you need to remember, you did not cause HD. Even if you were a family who knew about HD prior to having children, you did not cause this. And it's really important to know that you deserve to take care of yourself. Also, please be careful about alcohol use and drug use around the holidays. There's usually an abundance of alcohol during this time. And while some people want to imbibe, please know that this is not a good way to cope with HD. Alcohol and drugs are depressants and can cause disinhibition. So if you're someone without addiction issues and you might decide to have a drink, know that constantly over-drinking, drinking alone, and blacking out is not about celebrating. And if that's going on, you need to get some help. And, again, if you are someone who drinks, please, please do not drive. And, finally, I just want to put one, one uh, different um, issue out on the table in terms of kids. Please put an effort into talking to your kids about HD, especially around the holidays. A child might be meeting a person in the family who has HD for the first time and might not have seen this person, like you said, for over a year. You need to explain to a child what HD is and what the the person with HD looks like. 
Also, please don't force a child to, like, go and kiss grandma if they're afraid of how grandma acts or because of grandma's movements if she's the one with HD. And, and I do know that families want to create memories, but that situation can be really traumatic for a child. Say if the child doesn't want to go into a facility because it's scary, allow them to make a card or send a video or bake something together that you as a caregiver will bring into the person with HD. Then you can film your loved one opening up the gift or watching the child's video, and that will feel a lot safer for the child. It can be so easy for us to say, oh, you're going to regret not seeing them when you, you know, not when you were older, not going to the facility. And you know what? That might be the case, but there's a greater risk of being traumatized, especially when a child doesn't understand what's happening. So my final message to people is just know that there are resources such as HDO out there to help you. HDO is a global organization created by young people for any young person impacted by the HD. The child themselves doesn't even need to be at risk, but if there's a family member who has HD, HDO can be a huge resource. And the website is just hdyo.org. So hopefully this was helpful for, for the HD audience listening. I, I really i am honored that H, Help for HD contacted me to, to ask me about coping through the holidays, and I'm so glad you were able to, we were able to get this information out to people. Thank you so much, Dr. Bonnie for sharing your time with us particularly. Um, we are always so lucky to have you um, by our side when we have live events or on the radio, you're always so willing to help and, and be a part of all that's happening in the, in the HD and JHD community. So we thank you so much. And we particularly thank you for this show um, and helping our community navigate through the holidays. Um, and with that being as little stress as, as possible. So we thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And to everyone listening, um, we, we successfully launched our toy program um, and it filled up quickly. We had a lot of um, families requesting um, assistance, but more of just this is fun and we want to give back to everyone. So we released that on Giving Tuesday and that filled up really quickly. We have also partnered with um, Meg's Fight for a Cure Foundation um, with Dina. I'm sorry, with Kinzer. And also with Dina, we have partnered and done our hedgehog program, which she is um, sending hedgehogs out to children with JHD. So for any more info on those two programs for the holidays, um, please contact anyone at help for hd that our first name and at help for hd.org so katie katrina sharon any of us the at help for hd.org will get you our email and you can ask any questions about the jhd um, program that's going on to give a gift to a child with jhd but it doesn't have to be a specific toy it can be something that would just make life a little bit easier or um, a little funner if you would like to um, hear more about all that Dina Canestrassi is doing um, and her hedgehogs. I think it's a very cool program. I think you should uh, reach out to her via uh, Facebook because that's where she's really posting all of her awesome pictures and her work. Um, again, thank you guys. Have a wonderful holiday season. And I just want to mention that we will be back next week, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Um, Pacific Standard Time, as always. So have a great week. We'll talk to you then.